From the studios of Tucson Business Radio X, recorded in the Stewart Title Corporate Offices on Broadway, you are now listening to The Mark Bishop Show. And now here's your host, Mark Bishop. And welcome to another Mark Bishop Show. You know, the 2020-21 Judicial Hellholes Report ranks nine judicial hellholes while shining a light on lawsuit abuse and its effects. So my guest is Sherman Tiger Joyce. He's president of American Tort Reform Foundation. Welcome, Sherman. Thank you, Mark. Delighted to be here with you. Well, for those listeners that are not aware, judicial hellholes are deemed the most unjust local courts and state civil justice systems in the country. And from my understanding, the judicial hellholes report digs into several concerning trends in the civil justice system and specifically highlights the surge of COVID-19 lawsuits. And it does a bit more than that too, correct, Sherman? And what are the top issues highlighted in this year's report? Well, that's that's right, Mark. Uh, obviously, the pandemic, it just has affected every aspect of our society, uh, is affecting the, uh, uh, the, the litigation world. We've had over 6,000 lawsuits filed to date. Uh, but our report highlights a number of other issues uh, that have been recurring problems before the pandemic and will will survive the pandemic, unfortunately. Uh, I would mention one is what we call phantom damages, and that's when uh, rules of evidence uh, are used as a way to really mask the true costs uh, of medical expenses. So, for example, if somebody has to is being compensated after an injury uh, with a from a surgical procedure, uh, the bill from the hospital might have a, a top-line uh, number of, let's just say, randomly $20,000. Uh, but if the person has has medical insurance, has health care insurance, uh, the insurer might actually settle the matter uh, for as little as, let's just say, $4,000 or $5,000. Well, that's – I think anybody listening would understand that the true cost uh, of that medical procedure is that is that reduced cost. It's the four to $5,000. But oftentimes in court, uh, the only evidence that's introduced that the jury would hear about is the larger figure, the so-called, the billed amount, uh, uh, the the amount that's actually, you know, at at the top of that charge, as opposed to what's actually paid uh, to to settle a a healthcare uh, uh, claim. Um, We're also seeing in that area uh, what we call uh, uh, so-called letters of protection. There's a process by which uh, healthcare providers, oftentimes working with plaintiffs lawyers, will involve medical finance companies. So, in effect, the the uh, uh, the, the the receivable that the as an accountant would refer to it uh, for to to pay a medical claim gets in effect traded as a as a financial asset. Uh, and sometimes these these uh, uh, these medical claims. Uh, can be dramatically inflated even more. We saw an example in testimony in in the legislature in Florida uh, earlier this year where a woman who had identical procedures done on both of her knees after an accident, uh, one knee cost less than $4,000 when her insurance company settled it, but the other knee involved uh, a letter of protection and a medical finance company, uh, and the cost got up near sixty thousand dollars oh so a factor God. of of about fifteen for an identical expense. It would be as if you 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 know two people buy the same car and one is four thousand less than four thousand dollars and the other pays sixty or nearly sixty. 
So th th this is it's a complicated issue, but it really begins with uh, uh, educating, allowing uh, jurors to hear the appropriate, the actual uh, cost and the, the cost that, that goes into being paid as opposed to just some random build amount. Uh, and so but uh, but even coming back to the jurisdictions, the hellhole jurisdictions, it really even begins more with a more basic concern than that. And that is what cases really belong in a given jurisdiction. Uh, courts are established to serve the interests of their communities, uh, you mm. know, the, in terms of the state courts. Uh, but too often, and the U.S. Supreme Court has ruled on this, uh, uh, courts seemingly are allowing themselves to become uh, uh, the venues, the preferred venues uh, for lawsuits from all over the country. Uh, when that happens, because the plaintiff's lawyers want to be in those jurisdictions, uh, we see uh, the, these cases get going to, to places where they really don't properly belong. Right. And some state courts are ignoring the precedent of the U.S. Supreme Court uh, in the process. Gonna... And that's where you see it's in these jurisdictions that you see millions of dollars being spent on advertising to encourage more people to file lawsuits yeah, in these hellholes. So those are some of the key issues uh, that we're seeing for this year. Well, we're going to name some of those too in just a moment, but I, I did want to bring up that the report uh, further highlights the American Law Institute's shift toward uh, activism. That's correct, yes? That's, that's a, a very significant problem, and I think for lawyers uh, who are familiar with the American Law Institute, the so-called ALI, uh, they issue these uh, very significant publications called Restatements of the Law. Uh, but we've seen a very disturbing trend uh, in recent years in which they've gone beyond uh, the, the, I think, gener the, what had been for, for decades a very scholarly process of really carefully restating, as the su name suggests, where the law is and likely uh, uh, incremental changes uh, in the law. But in recent times, restatements such as their restatement uh, third of torts with respect to uh, uh, so-called trespassers in the earlier part of this decade, mm -hmm. uh, the recently published uh, law of liability insurance. Now they have a project called the law of consumer contracts, uh, which would, if implemented by courts across the country, would dramatically uh, impact uh, routine contractual arrangements uh, and empower judges to play a much, much greater role in routine cases, whether it might be uh, credit cards, uh, mobile phones, uh, even the financing arrangements when you purchase or lease a, lease a car. Uh, and the ALI has really gone from, when these restatements, from being the, a, a truly scholarly organization to becoming an advocacy mm. organization. Uh, mm. we, we, are, we freely acknowledge that we, ha we are an advocacy organization. We don't expect everyone – we'd like everyone to agree with us, and we try to persuade them. Um, but but we, don't, we don't enjoy this sort of patina of, uh, of, of scholarliness that the ALI does. All the federal judges in the country are, are, are members of the American Law Institute. But these new restatement projects uh, are, are, are very problematic, and I think they really call for greater scrutiny of really who the ALI is now mm -hmm. and what they're trying to accomplish. Well, Tiger Joyce, you we you know we touched on all that money before with the hospitals. You have an estimate of costs overall, and quite frankly, how do these things impact you know average everyday working people? Well, it's a great question. Uh, the, our estimate is that the total the, that we've seen from a 
uh, from analysts is that the legal system, the civil justice system costs over $370 billion a year. That's how much we spend as a country. And that's a, that's a obviously not insignificant amount. But I think what's really important is even to dig down a little bit deeper. For example, uh, uh, similar analyses in California uh, have concluded that because in contrast just to sort of the median civil justice system around the country, California is the number three judicial hellhole. But if, if California could, could, could uh, uh, reform its, its processes and, 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 and operate more like the middle of the country, middle of the pack, mm-hmm. uh, it would save 240,000 jobs uh, per year and over $15 billion uh, in its statewide economy. Good Lord. Those are very significant figures. Well, aren't so, they ever? But the more I hear about California, honestly, do they do anything right at all there? You know what I mean? Running out of time, I want to name <laughs> and shame some of these dudes. California, Georgia, uh, Cook, Madison, and Sinclair counties. We're talking about Illinois, uh, Louisiana, even New York City. Philadelphia Court of Common Pleas and the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania, South Carolina's asbestos litigation, uh, it was new in 2020, and the city of St. Louis, Twin Cities in Minnesota as well. That's quite a few, isn't it? It is. Those are, we've, some of them are a little bit new and some have moved up. Uh, and, and some have been on that list for a regrettably long period of time. Well, that's the top nine uh, judicial hellholes in alphabetical order, I might add. Now, how, you know, in, in the last 60 seconds or so, how can we change this? What can be done for those cities to get off the list? Well, I think the, the most important thing is to begin to recognize that these are problems. Uh, you know, I mentioned the, uh, the economic impact uh, that, that the lawsuit abuse has on these jurisdictions. Uh, understanding that this affects everybody. Uh, this isn't just an academic or legal matter. Uh, this is a, a broad public policy issue. And people should read the report at judicialhellholes.org, mm-hmm. uh, and they should contact their public officials. And they need to need to make the case, uh, indicate that this is not just, a, as I've mentioned, not just a problem for lawyers and judges uh, or folks like me and, and the American Tort Reform Association or even our, 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 our adversaries over at the um, – at the, with the, the organized plaintiff's bar, uh, but recognize that this is a public policy matter that requires reform and, and support for reform. Well, there we go. Uh, you got it straight, folks. Now, look, you can go to that uh, website and read it. I mean, it's uh, there's a lot in there, judicialhellholes.org. Uh, the ATRF, uh, in case you didn't know, is a District of Columbia nonprofit corporation founded in 97, and their primary purpose of the foundation is to educate the general public about how the American civil justice system operates. Well, you've only heard a tiny bit of it this morning, and that's a mess, but a great job indeed from Sherman Tiger Joyce. He's the president of American Tort Reform Foundation. Thank you, Sherman. Uh, Well done, and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you so much, Mark. 